0: Greetings, happy Friday. Welcome inside the Jason Smith Show with my best friend, Mike Harmon. Today's Friday. Live from the Geico Studios, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. For more information, visit geico.com. We have a huge night in the NBA. The Knicks are going to lose... It's okay. That's nah, all right. One and one. Oh, look, no Westbrook again tonight? No, no. So, I mean, we anything. don't have him.
3: You got the, the Clippers. They don't get to – I mean, Paul George gets to be front and center again, we which got, is we know how he loves having things. <laughs> we
0: got Jimmy Buckets getting booed profusely during his introduction pregame. We got Boston-Toronto in a tight one. Could be in Eastern Conference Finals preview. But where things sit right now. The Milwaukee Brewers have a five to one lead over the Dodgers as the Brewers come to bat here in the bottom of the fourth inning. And I'll tell you, Mike, earlier today, I filled in AM five seventy LA Sports here in LA Dodgers flagship station. With Bob I know Parker. you were getting everybody fired up, and I was fired up because you were like the biggest cheerleader I'd heard in a while. I thought tonight, and I, I well, we talked about it last night, and I mentioned I talked about it today on the show is that right. you Dodgers have seen a lot of Milwaukee's bullpen. They've seen a lot of these pitchers. And they're going to come out swinging tonight, and they're going to put up crooked runs. And it's going to be a big night, and the Dodgers are going to win this game like 9-2. And first batter of the game, David Freeze home run. And I'm like, I am a god. I can see the future. (laughs) I can only imagine, you know, you were – Doing a little strut. If you oh. were in
3: your car, you started honking. You started going, yeah. I like I, I texted know. you immediately because yes, I had heard the bit. Of course. Uh, and you know Rob telling you you were nuts. It was a good back and forth a little bit, and I was like wow, this is going to be great. And then they stretch him out to twenty five pitches. Like Miley's on the ropes. They've oh, got him. They uppercut. Him. Uppercut. He's down. No. Oh.
0: And let then him off the hook. Yunjin Ryu oh. couldn't get anybody out. In the bottom of the first inning.
3: Buddy, he's given up three runs in the first inning all year. (laughs) All year, and he's getting batting around. And you know what? Kept looking for it. Kept looking for it, watching it, listening to the radio call. Nobody up in the pen. Nobody. No activity. Hey, it looks like someone's getting up to stretch. No, he's just grabbing some seeds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, here's the thing where I sit right now. Because now finally, Dave Roberts took Ryu out and put Urias in. It's 5-1 Dodgers. Milwaukee got four in the first, and they got one in the second. And there's two big things I want to I want to get through about this game so far. I would not be surprised if somehow we find out after the game that Ryu was tipping his pitches. That somehow the Brewers not stealing signs like earlier. Did they hire that today. guy from Houston? No, no, no. Not when the Brewers accused the Dodgers of stealing signs and all. maybe no, no, turnabouts no, no. fair play, and I'm, they got him back. You yeah. got got. You got got. <laughs> But I'm wondering if you're going to find out after the game, somehow they're going to do some kind of video review and see, and they're going to find something in Ryu's delivery somewhere where he was tipping his pitches. Because this is not at all the pitcher he's been all year long. And it was first pitch. I mean, three pitches in a row, the Brewers swung at the first pitch, double, double, single in the first inning. This tells me when you're swinging at that first pitch, you know what's coming. So, I I would not be surprised if we find out that Ryu is tipping his pitches. How about that? Back-to-back back
3: years. We have you Darvish last year, and now Ryu here in game six gets teed off on. Double, multiple double. They have three right off the jump, and you've got Braun sliding in, and everybody's fired up and just hitting them where they ain't. The mm-hmm. old the old adage. I mean, and hitting them hard is the thing. Like, they weren't cue shots. They weren't little Hayes seeing-eye seeing singles, he got batted around pretty, yeah.
0: pretty good. I mean, Aguilar's, Aguilar's seeing-eye double down the line was just fair, but and it was kind of not quite the powerful swing that he normally puts on right. balls when he hits it the other way. But then the next three batters were bang, 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 and it's okay. Uh, Dave Roberts, you got to get somebody up in the bullpen. Because that's my second point is that I can't fathom why Dave Roberts waited so long to go to Urias. Now, in the grand scheme of things – he say he would he could have saved a run because you could have taken Ryu out in the first inning, pinch it for him in the bottom of the first inning. Although he did wind up getting a hit when he batted, so you could have taken him out and it could be four to one Milwaukee instead of five to one. Because when he gets hit like that, okay, he still got to pitch till somebody gets ready, and the Brewers likely still finish that first inning up four one. So it's only a run, but still, I felt like Dave Roberts was overly paranoid managing for Game Seven. It was. It's early in the game. It's the first inning. And, yes, they get you for four, but you have a long time left in this game. And I felt that that he decided, you know what, I'm just going to have all hands on deck for, for game seven, and that's where I'm going. Meanwhile, Urias is in. You don't need him for tomorrow night. I mean, other guys, Alex Wood could come in and pitch five or six innings if you need him to do it. He comes in, he could save the bullpen and be a game six hero for tomorrow night. And that. But still, they waited to finally put Urias in. Now you got to hope that – Things go for the Dodgers where Urias and Wood or whoever they're going to bring in can come in and pitch these last few innings and we get to game seven and Dave Roberts can say, Okay, I kind of blew it a little bit, but now we're here for game seven. Craig Council looking for some kind of verification that his bullpenning is working well. I you know he's hoping to not have to pitch Josh Hader tonight. He wants to say, you know what, I want Hader three innings tomorrow night in game seven. So he's hoping you don't have to go to him tonight at some point. This is why for the Dodgers, you know, laying down down five one really doesn't help them that much for Game 7, saying, all right, we're going to put it away for Game 7 because Josh is going to be fresh maybe four innings depending on because he hasn't pitched in a couple of days now. He can go whatever they need tomorrow night. He's the guy you don't want in the game, and he's the guy Craig Council is saying, if I can just not pitch him tonight, I have a huge advantage for Game 7.
3: Yeah, I'm always just a big believer. You know, I brought it up on the show over our many years together. My mom used to play the I'm going to save it for good kind of thing. You'd give a nice you know a nice sweater and or maybe a jacket when we we're in Chicago a nice winter coat and, and it would sit in the closet it'd be freezing you'd be freezing your ass off going around the city it's like mom we got you this great coat It's like ah, i got to save that for good well good doesn't always come nor does nor does game i mean yes you've got house money of game 7 but you can't let this one spiral out of control you've got an opportunity to to stop the bleeding get someone up and moving to make a trip to the mound, slow things down, whatever the case may be. You know, get your video review staff figuring it out uh, <laughs> as you're going through it. I mean, there's a lot of things you could be doing here to to try to stem the tide. Uh, you can't save it for good. You you've got the the jugular exposed. You're in Milwaukee, even though they batted around the first. You had Miley on the ropes, 25 pitches, and you you allowed it to come. To, even the second inning, you mm-hmm. get a couple of runners on. You're extending him, but you're not getting the big timely hit that's fine, but the pitch count starts to rise. But now he's gotten through four. They're they they're about where they wanted him to get. He gets one more inning out of him, going to the top of the fifth now. Uh, you had Urias get you a, a scoreless fourth. But you you get one more inning out of him. They're, they're feeling pretty powerful that they got everything they wanted, and then he'll go and he'll throw his glove and he'll do the WWE thing again when he goes back into the dugout. But, you know, for Dave Roberts, it's always, if you've got the opportunity to go for the kill shot, you don't say, hey, they scored four runs. We're done. You got one of the most potent offenses in the game. That's what you staked your entire. And it's the second entire, inning. It's, yeah, second it's inning. what you've staked your entire season on. How he was, there was nobody up, and how he's back out there. And look, he only gives up five over his three only. But
0: <laughs> well, he you was give hit up four sh- in the first. If you're saying was, five after three, that's it, it was
3: trending well. But I mean, he got hit so hard that yeah. I, just sitting on your hands watching it, just. Even if you weren't gonna bring someone in right away, the fact that there didn't seem to be any sense of urgency just leaves you scratching your head.
0: Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox Twitter at how about a fresca Mike at Swollen Dome the Jason Smith Show with my best friend Mike Carmen I mean it. Ryu tipping his pitches. Meanwhile, part of the night in the NBA, we got some big NFL moves to get to in a few minutes. Jimmy Butler and his saga really got way too much attention this preseason, but. This is the way it is. If you but do something you, that people pay attention to, all right, fine.
3: i got to find a story, buddy. <laughs> I mean, it, it was LeBron James in a big void uh, otherwise. Because the reversible rings only go so far.
0: Jimmy Buckets does not get along well with Minnesota Timberwolves' ownership, this guy who's an all-star caliber player. He's probably at the second level of star players in the NBA. There's that elite level of guys, and then there's the next level of star players, which there's a few. But Jimmy Butler certainly is that talented a player. Thought he was going to be part of the Timberwolves cornerstone, a part of the team going forward. Instead, he wants out because he doesn't trust Timberwolves management. This is a very highly publicized war over the course of the preseason. He stayed away from the team. He comes back to practice. Very odd day in which he comes in and takes the end of the bench guys and beats the starters in a scrimmage. Yells to the GM, Scott Layden, you blink and need me on this team. I wish he would yelled you bleep and ruin the Knicks in the 2000s, but this has been the saga for Jimmy Butler. Wolves have their home opener tonight. Jimmy Butler is playing. Did he get a hero's welcome or did he get a heels welcome? They're not saying boo. They're saying Jimmy Bootler, Jimmy Bootkits.
2: I got to say this. What was great
3: was that you had the the NWO, you know, WCW Wolfpack howl in the background. So the booing mixed in. It kind of made sense. It was straight out of old school wrestling, right? The competition of of Raw versus, you know, WCW. Uh, Jimmy Butler goes... You know, nine of ten from the floor, 24 points leads yeah. him to a six point victory, and he can bask in the glow. I, look, I, I think he's going to be a guy that embraces villainy. Uh, he's got a little Hollywood, right? Hanging out with Mark Wahlberg and all. Yeah. I, I've, I'm, unlike, unlike most of the other superstars, uh-huh. I don't think he gives a damn. <laughs> like all these other guys, don't hate me. I love me. Please love me. Jimmy Butler's like, whatever yeah, uh, no, i am who i, I am I and and i think for you. that
0: we should celebrate every minute of it he's one of those guys <laughs> that's like you boot i don't care i mean cuz really right now there's 8:45 to go in the fourth quarter timberwolves lead the cavaliers by 13 and jimmy buckets tonight 25 points to lead all scorers in this game 9 out of 10 from the floor he's also got five rebounds three assists he's got three steals he is doing it all he's like yeah boom me i don't care and see you need me you need me, don't you? This you is should the, take the microphone is, and say that as he leaves I, the court. I can't tell you how cool this. is. Granted, you know, look, I, I don't the ins the absolute insides of the war between Jimmy Butler and Timberwolves ownership. Nobody knows besides Jimmy Butler and the couple of guys involved but just from a standpoint of, yeah, I don't care, Boomy, you need me, and I'm going to prove to you. It's This is not a scrimmage where I take the 10th, 11th, and 12th guys on the bench and, and run circles around the starters. Here's opening night where, you know what, without me, maybe you lose to the bleeping Cavs without LeBron James. Instead, yeah, 9 out of 10. This is one of the great blank you performances in all of sports. In fact, after the game's over, when they win, I want them to hold the ball up, and I want them to just go blank you, blank you. I want to take the microphone. You know what? This is what should happen. I got a great idea. Okay, cool. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah. You're, you look like you're going to yes. blow us. Yes, 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 years yes, yes, yes. After every single game in the NBA, a player from the home team gets to take the microphone and address the crowd after it's over. I like it. Win or loss, doesn't matter. And they get to address the crowd. Because that's what Jimmy Butler would do tonight. He goes, you guys booed me. like you, like you, like you, like you. You're cool. You. I'm out. That would be awesome. Cool.
3: But he'll do the post game interview, right, for the for the uh local television, right? They always have the star of the game. Yeah. Just like you do on T N T and and whatever else. He'll grab him and he'll do the Yeah, but that's the not interview. the
0: same as actually talking to the people Oh no, no, they it, well but you, know? you could
3: probably hear it in the arena. Some arenas yeah. they broadcast it. Okay.
0: Yeah, you So here's you're
3: right. the opportunity. Finish, sure. finish the clean version of T V. It's okay. like all right, keep the mic open. <laughs> All right, I want to thank all of you for coming out here to our opener. Start playing a little music in the background. Have that wolf howl again. It's like, yeah, buckle in. It's going to be a long ride. We're going to have some fun. By the way, KAT, better start playing some defense. This is one of the
0: great blank you moments in sports. Jimmy Butler said, yeah, yeah, you want to, but you hate me. Okay, here we go.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: Big news in the NFL today. We find out that Marshawn Lynch is going to be out for at least a month. Potentially, the Raiders could be putting him on injured reserve, but with a groin injury, he's out for at least a month, possibly more. So now it looks like Doug Martin is the lead dog in the Raiders' backfield. Pick him up in fantasy if he's available in your Muscle hamster
3: because you know they're going to commit to the run. What are you talking about? He's meanwhile, and number two are flex guy
0: at best. Meanwhile, Carlos Hyde is dealt from the Browns to the Jaguars today in exchange for a fifth round pick. For the Jaguars, this is pretty simple. You know they're not <gasps> counting on Leonard Fournette. Right. When when you get hamstring injuries, they just let hamstrings, groins. It's just gonna plague you all season long. There's nothing but extended periods of rest and They just crop up. You're back in the lineup for a week. Everything is great. Then you're hurt again. You're out for two weeks. So it's clear the Jaguars aren't counting on Leonard Fournette. They also know their window to win a Super Bowl is right now. So they make a move for Carlos Hyde. And in theory... Carlos Hyde will be fine for them because he's a guy, a number one back you can count on. You're not trying to get by with T.J. Yeldon and figuring things out. No, Hyde's a guy that can get the bulk of the carries. Solid, not spectacular,
3: decent around with a nose for the end zone, but averaging about three and a half yards a carry. Your offensive line in Jacksonville's no better than Cleveland's was, so that's about what you're looking at, a 3-5, 3-7 a carry guy.
0: The first thing I want to say is when this trade went down, I pulled over to the side of the road and picked up Nick Chubb in as many leagues as I could. I got him in two leagues. Did you put it in park just two in case leagues. someone
3: came by and you're like, uh, oh, it's
0: an emergency. Oh, no, no, I did put it in park. No, I pulled over. I said right away, woo, pulling right over. I'm like, bang, 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 bang. Got him in two leagues. I got him in one league by just a couple of minutes cuz Michael Fabiano NFL Network uh, you know a friend who comes on the show uh, called me and said what do you want for Chubb you Blankety Blankety Blank cuz I beat him to Nick Chubb by like seconds
3: but yeah the obsession though when, that's when there's cool. a free agent move to be had yeah he 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 needs to do some other things with his time Yeah, well it's I mean, I, for a living no that's fine but it's supposed to be just a leisure league league I got other things to do than be uh, living on the waiver wire. Well, if I mean, if that's how he gets his kicks, then, then good on him. But, well, you know. the
0: thing is, I need another running back. That's my you problem. You needed another running Lynch back. Because Lynch was out, and I'm like, I need another. Oh, but Nick, Ch- Nick Chubb's going to be – because Nick Chubb's a breakaway guy. He's somebody that's got a lot of potential. He's going to get a lot of the first and second down carries. He's had some long runs already this year. I like Nick Chubb, man. It's the curiosity of whether they give him enough carries to whether – you you're able to get the
3: lean, right? We've seen him break off a couple of big runs. You had that three carry, two touchdown game with a couple of big runs. What was that, two weeks ago? Mm -hmm. And it was like, why doesn't he get the ball more? And Hugh Jackson's been talking about, going to get more carries. He was also talking about Duke Johnson. We're going to get him more touches. Well, now you have no choice when you get rid of Carlos Hyde. So you'll see a split and Johnson maybe starts living up to some of the potential in terms of his receptions when it's all said and done. But uh, for, for Nick Chubb, you know, you, you playing the waiting game shouldn't have really been available in most leagues, and in and, and that one in particular that I'm in with you, uh, I'm sitting. I, I got so many running backs, I, I don't have any room to
0: play them all. Ah, oh, you're just salty. I got Nick Chubb, salty, salty.
3: I've got. I've had salty. weeks. Where, I've had several weeks where David Johnson's sitting on my bench, and that's yeah, before we man, knew I'm they were going to suck buddy. that bad. Ugh.
0: But here's the trade that should have been made today: instead of trying to get by and fulfilling the running back position. Last night, Jason Lockenfora, CBS Sports NFL insider, stopped by on the show every week. He's on with us, friend of the show, and we talked about the Raiders' fire sale. And he went through a litany and a list of players who are all likely to be traded by the Raiders by the deadline. And then catch one name that's right in the middle that Jason says.
2: Everything must go. Carl Joseph... Gone. Gary and Conley basically gone. I don't think they'll get their price for Amari Cooper now. My suspicion is Amari Cooper's traded in the offseason. I personally believe that Derek Carr, there's a, there's a strong possibility that if Gruden thinks he can get somebody in the draft with all these picks, that maybe he tries to get a one and something else for Carr. Yeah, I mean, does somebody want a Jordy Nelson or a Marshawn Lynch? You know, I don't know how much is left in the tank, but yeah, they, they're, they, are, they are open for business.
0: If he's ready to move on from Derek Carr, and look, Jason Lockett for his NFL inside. he doesn't throw out there a first-rounder and a player. If I'm the Jaguars, that's the trade I make. I call the Raiders and I say, okay, we'll give you a one and a player, and you give us Derek Carr. And suddenly... John Gruden, who wants to save face, and the only way to do it is to trade everybody because nobody's any good. Even though a lot of these guys won 12 games a couple years ago, suddenly everybody stinks. He traded Khalil Mack. He'll trade anybody. And the Jaguars get Derek Carr. Derek Carr is the poster boy for I need a change of scenery. That's exactly what he needs. We've seen the talent that he has. He just needs a change of scenery. Whatever it's not working in Oakland, it didn't work last year, it's not working under John Gruden, and they're having too much difficulty. The Raiders need to tank, and they will continue to do so. Meanwhile, the Jaguars get a guy who transforms their identity. He's a young quarterback who's already done more than Blake Bortles has, and suddenly this is a team that is a downfield passing threat. They have a vertical threat down the field getting it down there, and this is a team that becomes much more dangerous, and they become a Super Bowl threat this year with the guy that can throw the football because right now they're trying to win in spite of Blake Bortles, saying, all right, Blake, just do the littlest bit possible, and we'll try to win games that way. Instead, you transform your team, and you get a guy that has a pretty good contract for the next couple of years, and he can be your quarterback not just for this year, but he could be your quarterback for the he could be your franchise quarterback. A one and a player for Derek Carr, sign me up for that Jaguars. That's the trade they should have made. Well, because
3: you're also assuming that your one is going to be a late late in the first round, right? You're not talking about a top ten, top twelve pick. You're talking later. You mentioned Derek Carr's contract; he's under contract through 2022, and at that point, he's not even at 20 million dollars a year. So he was one of the first guys to the trough to get fed, which means he's got to get to the back of the line. All these other guys getting their $25, 27000000 whatever, you don't have to pony up for him right away, which is, is solid. So I think not only Jacksonville, but other teams should be looking around wondering what to do because the Raiders have made it clear there's a lot going on. And even with the Khalil Mack, it wasn't necessarily a philosophical thing. There's a lot of talk that it was – merely a cash consideration and not because, hey, we don't want to pay a guy that much money. It's, we can't pay the guy that much money. So you wonder if Derek Carr is in the same boat. They're looking at it, even though it's not prohibitive from a salary cap perspective, of whether they'd rather shed a $19 million a year contract and let Gruden go and figure out the quarterback position with a couple of younger guys or journeymen that are at $8 million offerings instead. And beyond Jacksonville, any other team that's in competition right now and thinks the quarterback position is what's holding them back, should certainly be given a look at Derek Carr. We've seen him perform, you know, granted, it was it was the one year, one big year and a couple of throws. He's he's a guy that I, I like it a lot when we talk about Andrew Luck. And you've got supporters in Indianapolis. We've seen tweets of letter writers to Indy, the Indy Star backing all of your th- points on Andrew Luck. I'm gonna to have to check the handwriting to see if it matches up, but you've got Derek Carr as a, an affordable option. I think you should be looking and kick the tires because the Raiders clearly
0: are open for business. Yeah, and that's the thing. John Gruden is like the the fantasy owner in your league. That's like my team stinks. I need to trade everybody. He's got that itchy trigger finger right now. Make that pounce on that, pounce on that, and go get him. Go Might get as well Derek kick the Carr. tires.
3: Like if you think your quarterback's the thing that's going to hold you back. And you, you don't have that era parent like so many of these other teams, you know, we're signing one year, two year deals for these journeymen.
1: Go get him! Be sure to catch live editions of The Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific.
0: And we are going to have a game seven. The Brewers put the finishing touches on their 7-2 victory over the Dodgers moments ago. Swing and a fly ball in
1: the right. Foul territory, Aguilar, yes! And
0: this one is over. The final Brewers 7, Dodgers 2. Brewers Radio Network, Bob Euchre on the call. And I'll tell you what, for everybody who, and of course, obviously, there's certain rooting preferences... You know, I'm sure Fox would much rather have the Dodgers and the Red Sox than the Brewers and the Red Sox. I, I get that part of it. I understand that. But boy, every time we play a Bob Uecker call, I think, "Oh my God, I'd love to! See, I'd love to hear you in the World Series." Don't we'll you just play. smile I mean, though? Oh my God, like just... it, with
3: all of the legends that we've we've had retire, right? Yeah. Some that oh, we've yeah. we've lost, yeah. unfortunately, as well. But the number that are no longer part of the game, right? Vin Scully. You know, say what you will about the humility and whatever he says in, in turning down offers from Joe Buck to go into the booth. You know, he's, he hasn't broadcast a couple of years now. You've, you've lost a lot of the heroes and, and, and you've lost the ability to yell back, back, back with great regularity. I mean, so to have Bob Heucher still getting after it, it's exciting.
0: You know, because the last time they went to the World Series was 82. Yeah. And I was, you know, 11 years old. So I was much too young to appreciate Bob Euchre. And I didn't, you know, you knew about Bob Euchre because he started doing the those beer commercials. Sure. Hey, you missed the tag. You missed the tag. Then he's in Major League. And, and then we becomes, watched Mr. Belvedere. Yeah. Right. I actually <laughs> I watch did watch it. I Belvedere.
3: did, I did too. Oh, uh, Christopher Hewitt was good. Yeah, yeah. Remember, Hewitt. he was on Fantasy Island too. He was? Yeah. No, I did not know that. Yeah, after Irve okay. Village has uh, left because he hated everybody. Oh, yeah, that's I got to right, watch yeah. that Peter Dinklage movie, just <laughs> as an aside, <laughs> that
0: premieres this weekend. But either way. Uh, uh, but yes, Euchre became a national it, but, hero. Yeah, and then he, then he did Major League and he became, I mean, look, there's not many movies you quote more than Bob Euchre's lines from Major League. And just, and just to have to get to hear him or to be able to get to hear him in the World Series, because like I said, the first time... It was, it was, I, I didn't understand it because would, you would watch the games. You wouldn't listen. Sure. Play calls on the radio. You didn't really know who Bob Eucher was. You knew the Brewers because it was Gorman Thomas and Paul Molitor and Ben Ogilvy and Cecil Cooper. Oh, that was a great, Charlie great Moore squad. And, and Harvey's Wallbangers and Pete Vukovic and Raleigh Fingers. And it was fun. And, you know, all they did was hit and hit and hit and hit and hit. And it was fun. But, you know, the, the pageantry surrounding it. It was, oh, I, I didn't really know that much about Bob. Uker. You can hear him now, and it's like, boy, I'd love to hear you call the World Series. I'd love to hear you call the World Series game like Harry Doyle, and that's what <laughs> I'd like to hear, but I, I, I'll just take the real you'll, Bob. You'll Uker. take the, the real McCoy. Yeah, I'll take the real you. So with this victory, what can we take away from this game going into Game 7 tomorrow night? Number one, a huge advantage for the Brewers because they did not have to use Josh Hader tonight. Hater by far and away the best weapon in their bullpen, one of the top four relievers in Major League Baseball. Had the Dodgers made the Brewers use him tonight, his ability and effectiveness would be limited tomorrow. Certainly they would use him, but now that he hasn't pitched in a couple of days, he can go three innings tomorrow. So it's a, I would be surprised if the Brewers say, you know what, Craig Council says, screw it, we're going to start him tomorrow. I mean, really, he's going to go three innings tomorrow night. That's three innings where the Dodgers are saying, if we get one run, we're lucky. How about, how about one lucky. batter
3: with Wade Miley with the giant ice pack on his arm? Yeah, oh, maybe. And then maybe. just it, walk him off. It just, <laughs> come out of the- <laughs> Comes out one pitch and leaves. But, no, certainly Hater was up and warming, didn't come in this evening, 7-2 your final. You know, You looked good for that first half an inning. All pressure on Miley, 25 oh. pitches thrown, the leadoff home run from Freeze, and it looked like the, the Dodgers were going to push in the second inning. They get runners on after a disastrous first. We'll get to that in a moment. But it's still pressure on Miley. Looked like they were going to be able to to knock him out, maybe draw back even after the disastrous bottom of the first, the four innings from, from Ryu, who who hadn't given up but three runs in the first inning all season long. Mm-hmm. And just hit hard time and time and time again. And
0: Dave Roberts sat on his hands. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought – we'll get to Ryu in, in a couple seconds. But but I'm glad you brought up the fact of how close I was to being so incredibly right. Oh, you were. About like, for series. that moment, you know, you, know, you were on
3: AM570 LA uh, Sports this morning. You and Rob Parker talking up the game and and the big prediction of the Dodgers offense. You know, bring, bringing out the, the big sticks tonight and – and freeze leading off. I mean, I know you pulled over to grab Nick Chubb in your fantasy league. Yeah.
0: But I got I got to think you were also thinking, "Oh, look at me. I'm a genius." I was so excited. Look, coming into this game, I thought the Dodgers are going to get to the Brewers bullpen. They've seen them so often now. This is 6 games in 7 days. They have seen them way too much, and they're going to tee off tonight. And what happened? David Freeze leads off with a home run. Justin Turner gets a base and I go, "I am right." I am absolutely right in this. I am awesome. I can see the future. And then Ryu doesn't get anybody out in the bottom of the first No, that conga go, line got a bit oh, ridiculous. That was it right there. But I was so close to being right, buddy. Double. I was so close to being double, right. Double. Mm.
3: Double. Hanging pitches over the plate and just getting hammered mm. time, again, time and again.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio
0: app. So tonight, as we said, it looked like the Dodgers were off to a great start. They had Miley on the ropes in the first and second innings. They threatened. They get the one run on David Fries' home run. But Hyunjin Ryu, who pitched game six tonight, was abysmal. He gets batted around in the first inning gives up four runs, and from there on, the Dodgers were playing catch-up they were never able to overcome. He comes back out in the second inning, gives up a run. Finally, after three innings, Dave Roberts goes to the bullpen and brings in Julio Urias, and Ryu's night is over. I would bet a lot of money that we'll find out sometime in the next few hours that Ryu was tipping his pitches tonight and the Brewers knew what was coming. I mean not in a not in a stolen signs kind of way because we had the story earlier today the Brewers think the Dodgers were stealing signs Everybody's stealing signs from everybody you stole my signs you stole mine you stole my not that but in a way where he is tipping his pitches like last year in game 7 in game 2 of the World Series we found out you Darvish was tipping right. his pitches the Astros knew what was coming because of the way he would move to grip the ball before his pitch sure all the talk of Severino going right. through Severino the month as well
3: of September and into the playoffs as well
0: it always baffles me that teams can't figure this out like why are the why is that team the last one to know like how do they, how do they not fit oh boy why is this guy getting hit so hard? you know they watch video and they look back how has nobody figured out oh you know I think he's tipping his pitches right here it's always a curiosity right why isn't the pitching
3: coach noticing something maybe the bullpen catcher watching whatever the case may be that there's there's not somebody in the dugout in the organization that that doesn't pick up on that before the damage has been done, right? Here, first ball swinging multiple times and just batted around. And as we've talked about over the course of the night, they weren't cheap hits. Like you had one bloop. Otherwise, it was a lot of hanging balls in the zone that they just teed off on.
0: Anytime a pitcher who doesn't normally get hit gets hit like this early on, that's where I think pitch tipping, right? The first inning for you went like this. Kane gets on an infield single. I mean, not not sharply hit, but he gets on on a single. Yelich grounds out to third. Turner makes a pretty good play, or that would have been a base hit. Braun walks. After Shaw strikes out, Aguilar hits the double. Now, that wasn't a well-struck ball, but it was a well-placed ball. Then, three consecutive pitches after that. First pitch to Mike Moustakis, double to right field. It's 3-1. to Next pitch. Kratz, singles to right field. Mustaka scores. Next pitch, Arce singles to left field. Bang, bang, bang. All hard-hit balls, all off of Ryu. This is a guy who gave up three runs in the first inning all season long. He gives up four tonight. He was tipping his pitches somehow. Somehow the Brewers figured it out, and they went to town on him in the first couple of innings. Spygate.
3: It's just going to get dismissed by Major League Baseball anyway.
0: Well, no, it doesn't have to be illegal. I mean, when you find out... A pitcher is tipping pitches, that doesn't need to be Oh no, I'm saying illegally. that they, they, they got the guy from Houston since he'd
3: been eliminated.
0: Oh, they is picked that what him up on waivers. See, I put a that. satin uh brewer's coat on him. Now I think you're right. I think it's actually the deflator Oh, from, who is now reinventing himself with a new identity. How about and that? he's the guy from Houston. He's gone into witness protection yep. and now he's-, he's 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 like Henry Hill. Now he's he's in witness relocation and here he is now he's reinvented himself as a, a guy to take video with cameras. Walking out in his bathrobe to get his newspaper in the morning. I got it. All right. But that's really where I'm at. with, with I mean, because it does the rest of it doesn't make sense because Ryu had too good a season. Yes, he was away from Dodger Stadium tonight, which is not where he pitches really well. Still pitched well. to a 3-5-8 in yeah. the regular
3: season away from home. You know, so not exactly a, a butcher when it's all said and
0: done. This was something where I, I, I would almost be positive. That's what we're going to hear. And now, if you're the Dodgers, you're worried about Walker Bueller in Game 7. Were you tipping anything out? Do they know they're going to go to town off of you? Because this is first inning, first pitch inning. They know what's coming. They know what he's going to throw. They were really, really comfortable, especially in a game in which they were on their heels going to the bottom of the first inning. You know, Miller Park is crazy. Everybody's going nuts. And Freeze leads off on the home run, and then everybody's sitting on their hands, and it's, okay, what's going to happen to right. us? And now – They come back in the bottom of the first inning and it's bang, 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 bang. And suddenly it's four to one and the game is basically over at that point.
3: Well, and Miley in his 20 batter's face only had a first pitch strike eight times. So hitting advantage as well and just didn't make him pay. Tail of the tape, though, right? We we look at the Dodgers, last couple of games, get them on, get them like doing their best to play small ball, especially uh, in game five where you're extending innings. And trying to get the just put the ball in play. I mean, you even saw Ryu with a base hit the opposite way, uh, in the in the what was that the second inning, mm-hmm. right? So we we look at that. He was the only one doing any situational hitting. Everybody else was swinging from the heels again, and we got the same results: a whole
0: lot of nothing. Let's take a listen to some of Dave Roberts, who is meeting the media now, talking about the Dodgers' failure in Game 6, looking ahead to Game 7 tomorrow night against the Brewers.
2: I guess other than Ryu, are any of the pitchers that we saw today just flat-out unavailable tomorrow?
4: Um, outside of, of uh, Ryu, uh, everyone will be available. So uh, with that, we're, we're in a good spot.
3: Any uh, questions? Uh, Dylan?
2: our guy there he is and that said even taking in game seven into account how, how much do you hate kind of having to do that though but you know this is still obviously an NLCS game six uh, you guys weren't totally out of it right within striking distance I mean how, how difficult is that
4: no it, it's tough um, but when you when you're down three runs after the first inning and you ultimately score two runs anyway so to look back and and have used all your guys, and to still only score two runs, for me, it wouldn't have been the right dish, uh, decision regardless.
0: Here in the first row, Jared, how much did it hurt not force them to bring Hater into this game at all tonight?
4: Yeah, I mean, that's their, their best reliever, and, and obviously, you know, you would have liked to have kept the game close enough to have them use him tonight, so um, they got away tonight because of the, uh, the run differential. They didn't have to use them. So um, It's just important for us, again, for Walker to go out there and throw the ball well and for our guys to give us a lead and um,
2: put the pressure on
3: them. Other questions for Dave? Uh, Jesse will take just a couple more.
2: Looking at Shasin tomorrow, I mean, you saw him a little bit more
3: because he was in the West last year. Uh, what, is, is he pitching better than you've ever seen him
4: and why, in your opinion? Um... He's using his um, curveball more, um, keeps the ball down well, um, obviously has a slider, it's really tough on right-handers, um, and he's got a two-seamer that, that runs. So um, we've seen him a lot. Um, we know how he's going to attack us, and now it's about taking taking advantage of uh, potential mistakes.
0: Take two more, starting with Dylan. What are you expecting from the kid tomorrow?
4: I, I think Walker is um, prepared for this moment um as far as his his rest uh he's ready to go and as far as his heartbeat the weapons all that stuff we're in really good shape with him and um he understands the magnitude of this moment this game and he's a good person for us to take the baseball i will finish up with tom but
1: Dave, Craig Council said before the game tonight that their offense had been struggling, and that maybe the fan energy could get them going. And it seemed like the first inning—that's exactly what happened. Was that sort of from your side the worst-case scenario, a rally, the fans getting into it, and them finally getting uh, broken loose on
2: offense?
4: They—they uh, they did a good job. Um, you know, even the uh, the uh, Kane had bat in the first inning to just put a ball in play and to, and to leg out a base hit infield single and and the Aguilar ball that was off the plate that he kept fair. Um, and and obviously the fans with the way they responded, um, whether it was the the runs and then the fans or the fans and then the energy from the players, but it it was really good energy tonight.
0: So there's Dave Roberts, uh, seemingly okay after the game tonight, as he said, look, everybody's available except for you tomorrow. Uh, Kinda would have to be, considering he let Ryu stay in there way too long.
3: But well, the the hindsight logic of his, come on, you can't say that. I mean, saying, hey, look, we only scored two runs, so in you know it's good that we didn't do this. Like, you still used a bunch of pitchers when it was all said and done, right? It's not like you you got through unscathed and didn't go deep into your bullpen. You went another six deep, including Hill, including Wood, to get through this game. So to say, well, I, I, I'm i glad I didn't go get him sooner because in the end we only scored two runs. You don't know how the game's going to go at that point,
2: mm.
3: right? You're managing in the moment. You're not like sitting there going, well, when I'm at the interview stand three hours from now, I'm going <laughs> to be able to use hindsight to say what didn't happen. You didn't know you weren't going to solve these guys tonight. Come on, after that first inning, you you had to think that your offense was going to get you plate you another couple of runs. I just don't I don't like that answer. Like no, I guess well, he he can get away with it cuz yay, it's game 7. I'm glad because all these guys are available, but
0: I don't know. Just it, it it's it's nice and convenient. T- tonight was a bad night for Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts had outmanaged Craig Council for the majority of the NLCS up until tonight. And then tonight he made his mistake. With leaving Ryu in, and he should have gone, gone and got him earlier, and kept the game closer. But in reality, everything happened so fast. You maybe would have gotten out of a run. You maybe would have not. You would have put him in in the second inning, and the Brewers don't get that run in the top of the second inning. So it would have been four to one. And even even in that, and of itself, the Dodgers still only scored two runs. So can you say that was fatal for the Dodgers tonight? No, but that was a big mistake by Dave Roberts, and, and clearly the advantage went to Craig Council tonight over Dave Roberts, that's for sure.
3: Didn't have anybody up. You, you guys getting hit hard and n- not even the a sense of urgency. Like, let's see how this plays out. And then all your hitters, like, and, and Roberts doesn't address that. That goes back into the clubhouse. But guys have not shortening their stroke, not trying to put runners on, not not going in, in back to small ball and trying to chip away at that lead. Instead, trying to get it all back in one swing. You know that works in the regular season with some regularity. Uh, playoff baseball a bit different. You can't rely on that.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific.
0: We do it every week. We give you an upset special in college football, top 25, and one in the NFL. I am now nine and three. Nine and three. Nine and three. Nine and three. This year. I am 5-1 and one in college football. I have lost once all season long. I am very nervous because people are asking me, who are your picks, who are your picks? I'm like, hey, these are for entertainment purposes only. But I'm feeling the pressure, maybe. Uh, but I'm feeling the pressure. I, I feel like I really, really, really have to be right now. I always felt like you
3: were uh, flipping the coin. What do you got? <laughs> What's the deep analysis today? Let's go. College
0: football. I am taking Tennessee plus 29 and a half at home against Alabama. Tennessee has struggled. They haven't beaten Alabama in 20 years, and they're coming off a very big win over Auburn. It will be a raucous checkerboard atmosphere, and mainly if Tungo Viola is dinged up, and we dinged up, he missed time last week, and yes, Jalen Hurts came in and played pretty well, covering four touchdowns plus, is a lot to ask. So I'm taking Tennessee at home, plus 29.5 over Alabama.
3: I like that. We talked about this game a little bit with Pete Futek earlier this evening. I'm going to take NC State. I'm going to look for Finley and this offense to generate some points, completing 70% of his passes, almost nine yards per pass attempt, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions. They're getting 17 on the road at Clemson. I'm going to take that. Uh, and I'm going to push the over, which is 58. Whoa,
0: Shoot out. You. And the Wolf Pack rises. in the National Football League, I really wanted to take the Jets over. The I Vikings, know you did. But
3: Jets.
0: that's that's not smart. I know I shouldn't do it with my heart. So instead, Sam, 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 Sam. He's Sam, trash. I stop. I'm taking the Cleveland Browns plus four at Tampa Bay. Clear. They're on the road. I'm I'm, I'm not thrilled about that, but now they're going to have Nick Chubb in a prominent Mm -hmm. role in the offense. Baker Mayfield has been throwing the ball well. They've just been a little too mistake-prone. Tampa 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 Bay's defense stinks. They will put up a lot of points on the board. Tampa will put up points on the Browns, but... The Browns' offense is good. They just need to limit the mistakes. I'll take the Browns on the field, but I'll also take the four points.
3: Dirk Cutter on his radio program tonight was asked about Jameis Winston's throwing mechanics and berated the caller, uh, so he's fired up. Uh, I'm going to take the Texans on the road at Jacksonville, plus four and a half. In this one, low scoring it there, but look for the Texans to get it rolling and get it done.
0: Thanks for listening to the best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon podcast. Visit by a Toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
2: Welcome to the Scene to Scene Podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today I am chatting with G Young Yu, G Young Stars, as co-lead in the six-part limited series Expats.
3: I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough